Hey, what's up? It's Aiden Jones. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree, Tuesday the 7th of July, 2020. How are you? Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. I am in my room. My room has tried, flipped it around. I'm trying to... That's something a friend taught me years ago, man. If you feel like you want to just feel different or like that, you know, like a refreshing feeling in yourself, just change the layout of your room, man. It'll do wonders for um, your mental health. And I absolutely subscribe to that. I think that's great, man. That's what I've done. I've just kind of flipped where my bed was, changed uh, where my desk is and my table. My room's not even that big, but I just, something, you know, anything. (laughs) anything to make me feel better. Uh, Yeah, I feel like I am going through a big period of change right now and I'm excited by it. I'm also... I did some gigs on the weekend. I did a gig on Friday and Saturday. I had one booked for Sunday as well, but... These fucking lockdowns in Melbourne, man. They're coming back. We are going down again. Um... Yeah, it's fucking rough, man. I realized, uh, I, like, I, kind of what I'm preparing for at the moment, I guess, is I'm just trying to accept the fact that the, like, comedy is it's not coming back for a while, I don't reckon. Um, yeah, it's not coming back for, I don't know, like, I just, I thought, like, you know, a month ago at the start of June, it felt like, hey, we're coming out the other side of this. And as we go back down into a new lockdown, um, the gig that I did on Friday, so like I, I was trying to explain actually to my therapist yesterday what I love about comedy. I don't know. Why was I doing that? I can't remember. On the taxpayer dime too. <laughs> the Australian taxpayer is um, paying me to explain to a, a lady with a bunch of fucking degrees just go to her office and go, this is why I love comedy. Um, (laughs) um, And I was saying the reason I think I, uh, one of the things that I really enjoy about it, there's a few things that I love about comedy. Um, I love the community from pretty much as soon as I started doing it. I loved the fact that I can go to comedy and feel like accepted, like I belong. And there's other people there who, love this thing the way I do and we get to share that and that's really cool but something that I that that still kind of exists right now like as much as the gigs don't exist that I still have the friends that I made in comedy who we're going through the same loss of a thing together and so that's nice as that community but um fucking let me take a sip of my tea here this feels quite heavy to start off doesn't it I thought I was going, normally I fuck around and say some dumb shit, but I'm just straight away going into like, and this is why I love the thing that I miss. It's a very cold day today. It feels like the most oppressively cold of all the days so far. Um, I'm tempted to say this feels like a real low point. <laughs> I think I'm in a pretty good mood today. I feel like I woke, it took me a minute. I'll talk about comedy in a sec. All right, I'm fine. I'll get to it. I woke up at like 7.30. I opened my eyes, but it took me until about 8.30 to actually get out of bed. And that'll always annoy me. You know, like I, I, I feel like I, uh, 
I guess that's... Oh, here we go. Here's me spotting how I make myself sad by, by putting obligations on myself. I feel like I should wake up faster. But actually, what I've learned in therapy is that is an unhelpful thinking style. It, it's better for me to tell myself I'd like to wake up faster. And this morning, I woke up at 7.30, but I didn't get out of bed until 8.30. I shut my eyes a couple more times and slept for another 20 minutes. And by 8.30, I felt like I had let myself down. And that's not fair, is it, ladies and gentlemen? No, because I don't owe anything to myself. I just, there's things that I would like. And as soon as I start putting a should in front of things, and it, me and my therapist talked about that yesterday. Anyway. Maybe that's the new direction of this podcast. <laughs> I say new, that's been the direction of this podcast forever, but it's more overt now is that I'm just going to talk about therapy. Anyway, um, what I like about comedy is uh, the process of like, I did a gig on Friday and I uh, tried some stuff and it didn't work and I walked away from that gig thinking, okay, I reckon the reason that stuff didn't work was because I just went up and I said the stuff and I didn't so much connect with the audience, the people that were in front of me. I was just going up going, I wonder if these things that I'm going to say will work. And then on Saturday, so I learned that I walked away from that on, on Friday and I went, all right, on Saturday, I'm going to go up and I'm going to try and connect with the people more so and like lay that groundwork, that connection being like a groundwork for then I can say the stuff that I tried to say on Friday and I'll have a better idea of whether those things are going to work or not once I'm already feeling a connection to the people. And so I went up on Saturday and I riffed a little bit and I felt like I did okay with that. Like I, I felt like I was connecting to the audience fairly well and then I tried to say the stuff and the stuff still bom- I, I only started bombing once I went to say the stuff that I was trying to say and from that on Saturday I realized okay maybe I'm I'm still going to try and say those things but maybe I try and say them or talk about that thing that I was trying to talk about in a bit more of a positive way rather than dwelling on the negative or the anger that I that I had and I would love to go on stage I would have loved to go on stage on Sunday and try that and try and be a bit more positive first connect with the audience and then talk about the same thing but in a positive way but the gig on Sunday was pulled because of the new restrictions and and the gigs were at Voltaire all three of them Friday Saturday Sunday at Voltaire which is in North Melbourne which is one of the suburbs that's been locked down and uh, I just, I realized how important to me the process of doing comedy is like, the gigs are cool, each individual gig, but more engaging than that is the process of going up, kind of failing, learning something or, or just, you know, understanding, all right, next time I got to do it like this. And you, but to do that, to engage, to have that requires a constant stream of gigs always coming and as it is right now like I got the Friday Saturday then I I don't have the Sunday I've got a gig on Thursday which I'm real happy about but it's not a gig that I can fuck around at it's a gig where I'm doing five minutes I'm getting paid good money and there's a bunch of people on zoom who don't know me watching from home and I just like I need to do my best stuff. I've only got five minutes, so I just need to do well. So I need to do tried and tested stuff so I can't engage in the process. 
That didn't feel genuine, that shout. I wanted it to be, but it didn't feel genuine. I just, I'm fucking, man, this one, this coming lockdown feels a lot more oppressive than the last one. It feels like there's fucking no hope. I feel hopeless right now. Um, I'm going to get a job. That's where I'm at is I have a job, but I think the work's going to end next week. And, oh, my God, our office moved like further down the peninsula. It was already taking me over 90 minutes on public transport to get to work. It now takes me over two hours to get to work. So uh, at this point, I'm just like, yeah, I, I need to get another job. Oh, my God, what the fuck is wrong with my fucking video on my computer, man? Every fucking time I try to record something, the video fucking freezes. Fuck you, Mac. Fuck Photo Booth. Fuck YouTube. Fuck everyone. That feels a little bit more genuine, doesn't it? That emotion. <laughs> I keep trying to fucking film these things and the fucking program that I use on, on my Mac keeps freezing. Every time I try and fucking record something on my Mac, it just freezes. Fuck you. Oh. All right, now I feel like I've arrived, finally. That's where I'm at, emotionally, I think. I'm ready to fucking snap. Yes. Welcome, everyone, to Sitting Under a Tree with your host, Aiden Jones. <laughs> Here I am. It took me 10 minutes. Uh, I finally revealed my truest self to you. Anyway. I don't know what the fucking problem with that stupid video recording. I'm going to need to get some third-party software, aren't I, to record video. Why the fuck doesn't it work? It's the one function of that program. And it just doesn't work. Fuck you. Gonna, there's going to be no video this week, all right? <laughs> For the 10 people who watch it. Ugh. <sighs> calm down. Just calm down. What's that unhelpful thinking style? My fucking, my site gave me a, a, a sheet of unhelpful thinking styles. And I, what one was that? Uh, all right. So what's, what's just happened? Let me go through this with me, guys. Let's see if we can't figure out what unhelpful thinking style just made me yell at my computer for 30 seconds. Um, so the event there was my, my program didn't work. And so I got angry. I don't know if any of that is an unhealthy thinking style. Mental filter involves a filtering in and filtering out process, a sort of tunnel vision, focusing only on one part of the situation and ignoring the rest. I mean, the situation is that that thing didn't work. So it's not that. Jumping to conclusions when we assume that we know what someone else is thinking. I mean, I could jump to the conclusion and say <laughs> that, um, that Apple did this to me on purpose that they sold me a lemon that they knew that it wasn't going to work or that they included dodgy software in the in the MacBook to make me angry. But no, I'm not doing that at all. What would filtering be? Getting angry at my laptop and saying that it doesn't work when the one, the, the, it does work, but one part of it doesn't work. I guess am I doing that? But like the software that comes with it, you would expect that the software would work and that doesn't work. So I don't think I'm doing that. Personalization. This involves blaming yourself for everything that goes wrong or could go wrong, even when you may only be partly responsible or not responsible at all. You might be taking 100% of the responsibility. <laughs> I mean, I think getting angry is the opposite of that. I think I'm taking absolutely no responsibility for this. <laughs> 
when my fucking when when the thing filming me doesn't work. No, that is not my fault at all. That is the fault of the thing. That's what anger is, I think, isn't it? Anger is a bit like committing to this is not my fault, this is your fault, and I'm angry. <laughs> That's why I'm angry is I commit to I'm I'm going to dump this emotion on you because I don't think that I've done anything wrong here. I'm right, you're wrong. Fuck you, Apple. Fuck you, filming program. It's called photo... Yeah, fuck. All right, yeah, I'm not doing personalization. I take 0% responsibility for that anger that... <laughs> <laughs> Catastrophizing occurs when we blow things out of proportion. <laughs> I mean, I may have done that because the filming program not working. I real I get ten views on it a week on YouTube ish, ten views at most, and uh, like I mean that not working. It, no, 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 no. Because the thing not working isn't what annoys me. The, what annoys me is the fact that I. I've got this thing, and I mean, I've said it a million times. No, no, I'm not catastrophizing. Black and white thinking, seeing only one extreme or the other, well, it does work or it doesn't, mate. So there only are, it's a binary problem right now. Either it freezes, in which case that's a zero, or it doesn't freeze, in which case that's a one. All right, not black and white. So what have we got so far? Jumping to conclude, no, personal, no, mental, no. Shoulding and musting, I should, well, I'm not. Oh, am I doing that again? Am I saying I should have fixed it? Or I, I, I look, I would like... Here's what I need to take from this situation. I would like to fix that. <laughs> I would like in the future to download a program that does work. So then when, when I next week go to film my podcast... The, the thing doesn't freeze and then I don't get angry. I also would like to be able to react to this kind of thing in a calm manner rather than getting angry and, and, and yelling at you guys, the 54 people listening to this podcast. I, I apologize. apologize for yelling. You didn't sign up for that. To be fair, you did. <laughs> I think I'm at my best when I yell. I think I'm at my most entertaining when I'm flipping out. Do I believe that? I think so. That's all right. Anyway, overgeneralization. When we overgeneralize, we take one instance in the past or present and impose it on all current or future situations. If you say you you always or everyone or I never, then we are probably overgeneralizing. I mean, this thing always does fuck up, though. Is that an unhelpful thinking style? What should I say instead? <laughs> this thing has fucked up today and last week and the week before and the week before. Fuck you. Maybe I'm overgeneralizing. But I, just, I still, I, I would like to fix it. Here, that's, this is it, isn't it? It's not I need to fix it. It's I would like, I think I am shooting. I'm shooting in this scenario. <laughs> I need to. I need to not should, and I need to. I'd like. Well, there's three more. When we label ourselves and others, we make global statements. Labeling, labeling, blah blah blah, based on behavior and signature. We must use this label, even though there are many more examples that aren't consistent with the label. The label is: I'm someone who fucking always gets angry. Or oh, maybe that's it. Calling myself an angry person. 
the picture they've got for labelling is a picture of a stool and a picture of a dunce cap. Maybe I do label myself as an angry person. Maybe I'm not an angry person, but I just do get angry sometimes. But other times, I'm able to contain my anger and use it to create comedy. Two more, emotional reasoning. This thinking style involves basing your view of situations on yourself or, or yourself, your view of situations or yourself on the way you are feeling. For example, the only evidence that something bad is going to happen is that you feel like something bad. No, I mean, the reason I got angry just then is because I didn't expect that to happen. Came out of the blue. Nah, not that one. Magnification or minimization. In this thinking style, you magnify the positive attributes of other people and minimize your own positive attributes. It's as though you're explaining away your own positive characteristics. Nah, I don't do that. All right. Overgeneralization and shooting and musting. Anyway, what was the point of that exercise? I don't fucking know, but I'm angry that the filming didn't work. All right, next. (laughs) That was fun, hey? Um... Nom, 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 nom. I want to talk about, um, what am I going to talk about? Oh, the picture. Oh, that's right. I was talking about work. The picture for this week, I'm going to do a picture of these this chair that I, fuck man, these chairs. I saw this chair on Marketplace because um, I've actually had a few financial wins this week, I reckon, like... I was talking about how I'm going to get a new job and I'm going to get a new job because, um, yeah, our, our office at work moved to half an hour further down the peninsula so it takes me over two hours to get to work. But an upshot of the moving, of, of like the office moving is all the furniture at the old office. They got new furniture at the new office. So we have all this furniture. A bunch of office chairs went up for grabs and... Um, I'm like, are we chucking these out? Like, my boss was like, hey, man, can you unscrew these and take them apart because we're going to chuck them? And I'm like, we're going to chuck these chairs? So I put them in the van and he let me have the van for the weekend. I drove the van home, dumped them at home, chucked them on Marketplace. They're just like standard IKEA office chairs. I put them on Marketplace for 20 bucks a pop. And I was thinking at the start, like, oh, you know, I'm kind of worried. That's always a, a risk, isn't it? You take the stuff home and it's like... Have I just committed now to having a bunch of... I had six chairs. No, seven. And I got one in my room now. So I kept one and then I've got these other six. And I'm like, have I just committed to having seven chairs at my house now that I don't need, don't have anything, you know, to do with them and no one's going to buy them? So I was thinking of putting them up for 10 bucks, but I just thought, ah, 20. You know, highball it. Put them on there for 20. And I got fucking... I got, did I sell one that night? I think I sold one that night. No, I sold one in the morning and another two for 30. That person got a bargain. I shouldn't have done that. That was the first one I agreed to. I was like, two for 30, done. And uh, and the other one, so the, the other three. So I sold one in, fr- like took a moment on Thursday night. Sold three on Friday morning and three on Saturday, and it was I made fucking 110 bucks off of those six office chairs. I've got another five out the front now that I'm also going to sell. I want to put them up for 40. I, fuck it, man. They went. So, I got like 20 messages. I reckon. Nah, 15. I don't know. I got a bunch. I got more messages than I had chairs. Like way more messages than I had chairs, and I had to market as like not available anymore. 
I considered um, the people that I'd already agreed to sell it to being like, hey, man, I actually need more money for this now because I've realized that I've undersold, undersold myself, but fuck it, whatever. But how cool is that? So, all right, that last week, got a bunch of chairs, sold them. And then also, a mate of mine works at an undisclosed uh, clothing retail store. Um, she wouldn't let me name the store, but uh, she works for them. And then she brought round like 700 bucks worth of shit. One of which I'm wearing right now, which you would be able to see if the fucking YouTube thing didn't fuck up. Anyway. Um, so I got like 700 bucks worth of free clothes. Oh my God. What a week. And I still have the audacity to be in a bad mood. Because I can't do comedy. Am I using a, a, a an unhelpful thinking style in that? I don't fucking know. You're allowed to be in a fucking bad mood. That's that's another thing with therapy is like... I mean, my therapist isn't an idiot. She's very smart. She understands all this stuff. But like, I guess my defensiveness in... I'm a little bit... I'm a little bit skeptical, am I? Maybe? Because I'm like, well, sometimes, yes, I'm not helping myself with the way that I think. But sometimes I'm just sad because things suck. <laughs> I can't do comedy and I like doing comedy and I want to do it and I can't. And so I'm sad and kind of angry. I don't know who the fuck I'm angry at. <sighs> yeah. I'm accepting that I'm not going to be able to do comedy. So I want to get a job like another different job. I'd like to get a job of my own. That's good thinking, isn't it? Not I should, I would like. I would like to get a job that I didn't get through friends or anything. I just apply for it and get it. And work full time and do whatever the fuck. And just feel like this is my job that I got with my own, you know, whatever. Um, I feel like that would give me a, like a sense of pride that I'd maybe don't have right now or I got a bit of pride in the work that I do but it's also two hours away and there's only so much pride that, like that pride slowly ebbs away over a two-hour public transport journey oh my god it's a tram and then a train and then a bus and then a half-hour walk are you fucking kidding me man I should get paid for that time as well I think I genuinely believe that I reckon I'd be happier if I got paid the same amount of money but they factored that like they adjusted my hourly rate down so that I it account like you know instead of 27 an hour or whatever I get I got like 23 so with the two hours travel each way I ended up with the same amount of money but I felt like I was getting paid for the time that I took to travel I reckon that would actually make me happier than just getting a higher pay rate <sighs> yeah um all right that's those things. I want to talk a little bit about something that's got nothing to do with me. This is something that I've been thinking about this week that I think I want to try and talk my way through. So in Melbourne at the moment, we've had these lockdowns um, and there's nine commission towers, like commission houses, towers, whatever they're called, that were on Saturday when they announced the lockdown of those suburbs, the lockdown of the whole suburbs came into effect on Saturday night at midnight, but the lockdown of the towers came into effect immediately that afternoon. And there's nine towers, 3000 people, 500 police officers, 
sent to those towers to enforce the lockdowns. And, um, I mean, I think that's pretty insane, the fact that they're cops, right? And I've seen that's been widely covered already, the fact that there's 500 cops to 3,000 people. That's too many. Why is there so many cops? And I guess I've been thinking about this in um, the context of the Black Lives Matter stuff and, and the whole, like, ACAB movement, people being angry at police, hating the cops, and a lot of people kind of rethinking the place of police in our society. And, uh, yeah, I, I think 3,000 is too many. And I think a lot of people have been saying that um, there should be, like, social workers. And, of course, like, yeah, 100%. Why are there, why are there 500 cops at half an hour after the directive was given to shut those things down and no social workers and, like, Apparently, there's been medical staff there, but for, I don't know, man. 500 cops, that's a lot. And that, that I guess what that shows, I think I'm building to a point here. I guess what that shows, having those cops there, is it's not about the police themselves. It's about what the police represents, which is state control. So when you send 500 police spread out over nine different buildings, like what's that, 50 cops per building-ish, um... That's like saying it's like saying all the people in these buildings, you guys are criminals, even though they didn't do anything. They're, if anything, the most vulnerable people in our society because they're low income earners, they're immigrants. A lot of them maybe don't speak English as a first language and all of that. And there's been stories about like, oh, apparently one of the blocks translated the um, the government information sheet about COVID into 10 different languages in 24 hours because of all the people in these, you know, they can all speak fucking heaps of different languages and shit. So they translated it into 10 written languages and five oral languages in 24 hours. And there was someone in the, in uh, like a health worker or something like that who was like, yeah, I've had experience working in uh, with the government on this kind of stuff. And I can let you know now that it would have taken the government six months to do that translation work, which is fucking awesome. Um, it's so cool that they've... I mean, it's just like... It's very cool that those people have... I think the view that we have of those people is like, oh, poor them, they're stuck in these towers and they're so fucking, you know, vulnerable and whatever. And it's like, oh, man, these are tough people. And here's the weird thing that I wanted to talk about, I guess, is it seems like... It's such a, it's such a complicated issue, right? Because, okay, locking those people down, that sucks for those people, but... The Ruby Princess, that big cruise ship that was off the coast of Sydney at the start of the um, at the start of the pandemic, they let all of those people off when there were reported cases of coronavirus in that cruise ship, and they let them out into the rest of the community. And then there was a huge outbreak. And this is a pretty analogous case. Like I've seen arguments made where it's like, so the Ruby Princess, they they didn't quarantine them; they let them off. And there was an outbreak and the New South Wales state government copped a lot of shit for that. And then in Victoria, there's an outbreak. They do quarantine them and the government still cops shit. So it's like the government are really, it's like they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. If they quarantine, people get angry because fuck you, why these people are not everyone else. It's different treatment for different groups in society. But if they don't quarantine, well, where's an outbreak? So you didn't handle it right. And uh, I just, I think about that and I just see 
it just seems like whenever something like this happens, people are so quick to go on Twitter. I'm spending more time on Twitter lately. Maybe that's my problem, but people are so quick. There was a fucking, there was a, a, a petition saying like, take the cops away from the towers within hours of it happening. And it's like, I just find it so difficult to understand how people can be so sure of their convictions, you know? Like, the government does something and you're like, you did the wrong thing, here's what you should do, and I'm so sure that I know what you should do, I'm starting a petition and everyone should sign it and everyone's sharing the petition. It's like, really? You know what we should do? Fucking you go be in charge then, man. (laughs) I'm I'm fucking grateful that we have people who are just uh, not afraid to make the decisions. Whatever the fucking decision is, man, as long as they're making a decision that I look, okay, I don't think there should be all those cops there. I think police send the wrong message. Having police there, it sends the wrong message. It sends a message of like you guys are it's it's inevitably like a criminalization of the people that you're going there to, you know. It's like turning it into a prison and then those people feel like they're prisoners, like they've done something wrong and it looks like they've done something wrong. And it's like poor, the poorest people in society and inevitably it's like not white people as well. So there's that element to it. So I understand that people are angry about the cops and maybe this is an instance where you can see how police should be, there should be fewer actual police police, the dudes with fucking guns and shit. And more of the people who go into that part, of, like they should be trained as social workers. Maybe they have a different uniform. Maybe they have a big thumbs up on their <laughs> on their chest. What would the thing be? Is it like a bunch of people who sign up to be cops? They're like, congratulations, you've made it into the police force, but you don't get a gun. Instead, you get a fucking, <laughs> like, you know, one of those little stress balls. I don't know how that would work. Is it that we just take a bunch of the people in the police force and go, all right, you guys don't, you, yeah, you don't get guns anymore. You're not s- legitimate state sanctioned, like violent actors or forceful actors anymore. You are a social worker. And, and your job now is you go to places and provide care and communicate with people rather than put people in fucking arm bars and chuck them on the ground. Yeah, you know what? I don't like that the police do that, actually. There should be more. Uh, I, I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about. The whole point of this is I don't understand how people are so sure that they know what they're talking about. <sighs> I, I really like Dan Andrews. I really I think he's a good premier, and I, I think as much as you might not agree with his decisions, he's making decisions. And that is fucking hard. And you know what? I don't really like Gladys Berejiklian, but she's making decisions as well. And any cunt out there with a fucking petition, you go be the one making the decisions then because you're going to fuck it up too. So I reckon show a little bit more understanding for the people in power because the people in power have very fucking difficult jobs, especially right now. And I'm pretty fucking grateful that there's people out there willing to do that job. Because at the end of the day, we hate them. Whoever they are, if you got power, we hate you. I don't fucking know, man. I don't know. I don't know. This sucks. This this sucks. That's my overarching feeling, is this shit right here sucks fucking dick. 
I wish we weren't in lockdown. I wish I could do comedy. I wish there weren't 500 police standing outside of some fucking commission flats in Flemington or North Melbourne or wherever. I wish I didn't feel really, really tired right now. And uh, I just, I wish that the world was different, but it's not. It's not different. This is what we have, okay? And so I think we all just need to band together and I think we need to be a little bit more caring uh, towards each other and grateful for the things that we do have. (laughs) I don't fucking know, man. I think that's it. I think I'm done whinging to you guys for half an hour. Thank you so much for listening. Um, The song that I'm going to put this week uh, is... um, what kind of music by Tom Mish and Yusuf Days? Days? Da- Days, yeah. D A Y E S. Off the album, What Kind of Music? This song is fucking, it's been getting me through the last month or so. I always, I keep coming back to it. It's just so funky and uh, that's a really cool album. If you haven't been listening to it, which I don't know what you've been doing because in my particular corner of the internet this album is fucking everywhere if you haven't been listening to it go check that out on spotify man it's so good this is the first track fading in right now and that's been me thank you guys for listening this has been aiden jones sitting under a tree peace what kind of music hey Open up a door.